The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We're here every Saturday morning on 1420 AM between 9 and 10. We're an educational financial talk program here to give you helpful information and financial news relevant to you, whether you're working or someone who is already in their retirement years. And we're sponsored by the estate planning team. And the estate planning team is an affordable fee-based Ohio registered fiduciary planning firm that's been around Cleveland now more than 35 years, helping people solve problems, save money, and build custom financial plans and help people through objective, unbiased analysis with the financial decisions that they face so that they understand how short-term decisions or worries impact the long-term outcome of your financial plan and where you're, where you're headed. Um, the estate planning team are also accredited and A-rated members of the Better Business Bureau, and we offer a free no-obligation consultation to see if our process is appropriate for you. We're traditional financial planner numbers crunchers. We're not investment advisors. We do this long-term financial modeling so that people know what they can afford to spend, how they'll be impacted by inflation, timing of social security, market volatility, and taxes. And how do you put that all together so that you know when you can afford to retire or what you can spend realistically? Um, And also what growth rate you need to be okay. And certainly we're not investment advisors, as I said earlier, and our clients either do that on their own, or we work in coordination with their existing investment advisors to determine um, if you have a conservative growth rate built into your plan, then why take on more risk than necessary? And then what are things you can do today and opportunities you can use or traps you can avoid and action steps to create future tax-efficient income and avoid potential financial disruptors? And um, we offer the free consultation by phone or in person. Um, We're scheduling now actually through the end of October if people want to go ahead and get on the calendar. And you can call now and leave a voicemail. We'll get back to you on Monday morning or you can check us us out and send us an email through the website at financialfoodforthought.com. There's a little button for the free consultation. You can sign up for our newsletter and you can also sign up for our free educational classes in September, which are on IRA um, company retirement plan. And we're going to say IRA. Um, it's it's simpler, but if you're someone who has IRAs, company plans like 401ks, 403bs, or similar assets, we're going to talk about the rules. And today we're going to touch on some of the rules, costly mistakes, misconceptions. We're going to talk about strategies you can use in the class to minimize the tax impact during lifetime and to your heirs. We're going to talk about changes that were made with the SECURE Act, um, including elimination of the stretch IRA proposed changes with the SECURE Act 2.0 and how minimum required distribution often isn't in your best interest and what are different strategies you can use. Um, because um, I think we talked, started touching on last week or we were going to how sometimes minimum required distribution not only can get you in a tax trap, but it can also impact your Medicare premiums. Right. Medicare, which is another trap, so right. to speak. In other words, that surprises a lot of people when all of a sudden they realize that they're, they got a huge increase in their Medicare premiums, mm-hmm. and it's called the IRMA adjustment, the income-related right. monthly adjustment amount. And for those of you who are not familiar with that, yeah, the, how much you pay for Medicare B and Medicare D, the prescription drug plan, if you choose that, is based on how much income you have. But there's the trap comes in because it's like a two year gap, you know, so, Mm -hmm. and that's just the way because they have to use the tax return that they have filed. You know, they don't take your word for it. So they IRS supplies them with the tax returns. So there's like a two year gap. So that 
that surprises a lot of people that and they're not aware that like maybe they're not paying that Irma adjustment before RMDs begin, right? Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden RMDs begin, obviously creating taxable income. You know, the Irma threshold is based on modified adjusted gross income, which obviously includes IRA distributions. So that's what's shooting them through that Irma threshold. Mm-hmm. And not even if they, you know, even in other words, they're saying if I, if I didn't have to take out my RMD, I wouldn't have been taken out that much, perhaps. Right. It doesn't matter that is the rmd you're trapped because you that's the least amount you have to take out so yeah so we're gonna on the classes this year we're going to talk a little bit more about that right that's another trap other than just the tax trap and everything else but those classes are middleburg heights you can register now um we're already um, online. We do already have people signed up. Um, we do ask that you pre-register. So we're doing workbooks. So we want to make sure, one, the room accommodates everyone and that we have enough handouts and workbooks for everyone. They're both in Middleburg Heights. We have September 14th at 6 p.m. and September 20th at 3 p.m. So register early, which you can call the office again just for the class. Or if you want to talk about your individual and get a free analysis on your company plan and IRA assets, we'll do that as part of the free consultation, but the class is concepts and strategies. So register or call us for a free consultation at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. Or visit us at financialfoodforthought.com. And you're listening this morning to Mark Donnelly and I'm Carrie Waddell. Yeah. And so, so today on the radio show, We'll talk, uh, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about required minimum distributions because I know we still get that question all the time. And, mm-hmm. and that's just because there's there's always that new group of baby boomers, Carrie, who are getting to the age where they're like, hmm, I think I have to start. What, what, are, the, what are those required minimum right. distributions? So we'll talk about that today. And, and it's funny because a, a number of years ago, I don't know if the, if the stat still holds up, but I remember we talked about on this radio show a number of years ago that there was a study that said, um, and this was when the RMD really, when the old RMD that began at age 70 and a half, it's now because of the Secure Act of 2019, it's now 72. But even when the required minimum was 70 and a half, they, there was a study and what they did is they interviewed 65 year olds and they realized a very small percentage of 65 year olds had any working understanding of the RMD rules. Right. And at se- they were getting close at 70 and a half. Now it's not, it's 72 now, but just so, so, so from time to time, well, you know, we do go over those rules because again, it's one of those, it's one of those requirements that it's a still, still a stiff penalty if you miss it. It's 50%. Um, and you could maybe get around that for, you know, a hand slap for fist, first offense, but still you do want that hassle. Um, but also, it's not only understanding when the first required minimum is due. It's also, as you were saying, what, you know, thinking further. And that's really the discipline of financial planning is saying, I want to project things out into the future. It's not just about how much income I'm making this year versus how much I'm going to be spending this year or how much my investments are growing this year or losing this year. Right. Or it's really what does my plan look like for my retirement? The 25 years, 30 years. Do I hear 35 years? It's that, and that's what's hard to do in your head. It's hard to project out decades when you throw in complicated tax codes and future required minimum distributions and and spending needs and all and And inflation and things like that. And sometimes you don't. It doesn't make sense to wait, even if you don't need it for cash flow purposes, Roth conversion, create that future tax-free pot of money. Um, also, people don't spend or they don't do things because they think I'm going to need it later. Well, having that analysis, there's a, in many cases, if people just wait, even based on conservative numbers, there's a pile of money they would have, should have, could have. Right. Yeah. And that's one of the first, we learned that decades ago at the estate planning team that a lot of new clients coming in, we would, you know, they, they had no really idea of what their, they knew what their IRA balance was today. Right. But they had no idea what the, what their RMD balance would be when they were 90. 
A lot of them thought it would just be, you know, if they just follow the required minimum distribution. It would be zero? A lot of them thought it'd be zero or next to zero, and it's not the case. So if you haven't seen that, come to the class. We'll go through an example. Or if you can't make the classes, come in for a free right. consultation. And we'll, and even better, we'll use your numbers and what you want to assume for investment rates of return. Um, now, though, before I get to that, big, big data this week on inflation. So this is the somber summer of 22, right? And, and we've been talking about peak, you know, has inflation, is it going to peak out? Are we still going higher with inflation? Is the Federal Reserve, you know, they're in this net, we've had two now FOMC meetings where they raised it 75 basis points in September is coming up the next one. Is it going to be another 75 basis points? Is it going to be 50? In other words, I, we've always been telling everyone on the show, the Federal Reserve will stop inflation. But it will be painful. And we got so, but well, a lot of eyebrows raised this week, Carrie, when the CPI and the PPI numbers came out. Why was this month's reporting so different? Well, I think because every single category came in better than the previous month. Okay, meaning that that's a good sign. If you talk about headline, CPI. The annual year over year came in lower. The monthly, the current monthly came in lower. If you talk about core CPI, the annual year over year, I think came in, well, it maybe stayed the same, but it didn't get worse. And then the monthly came in better. If you look at PPI, you know, producer, you know, that, that, you know, the manufacturer's cost, same thing, headline, annual, core, headline, in other words, headline, core, annual, month to month, all came in lower. So when you have that type of, you know, where that, and that hasn't happened in a very long time. Okay. Um, and Wall Street really liked what they saw. That's why you saw both a rally, not only in stocks, but bonds. So Gary, don't, you know, maybe right. that 6040 is not dead yet. You know, we'll mm-hmm. see. Now, I, yeah, we'll see how the 6040 portfolio performs in the second half of the year. Obviously, we all know how bad it did in the first half of the year. Um, could it, could that 6040 squeak out a positive gain this mm-hmm. year, Gary? Too soon to tell. I don't think so, but it may not be a double digit decline either. Um, so it might not be quite dead yet. Um, the, uh, and then also last week, well, the other thing that's happening in the news, of course, is the Democrats passing the what was going to be known as the Build Back Better bill, now the Inflation Reduction Act bill. Now, we're taping this show on Friday. I believe the, you know, the Senate's already passed it. The House was staying in session. They didn't go home for their vacation. Well, some of them actually did go home, Carrie. So, so remember, in the House... You can vote by proxy. The Senate, the Senate, you cannot. The you Senate, have you to cannot. physically be present. So, so some of the so some of the House members are already at home, and they they've petitioned so they can vote. I think they get too many vacations. Yeah, but. I think. Um, but anyways, I and probably I, you know. So we assume it, it's going to pass at this point. So there's been a lot of headline, a lot of shock line risk about what that's going to do to the American taxpayer, right? Um, and, you know, I say, you know, be careful about reading the headlines. So last week I, 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 I was going to drill down into a couple of the headlines. So what was the one I did last week? It was about, um, oh, what was it, Carrie, about why, the, you know, why the, why there's all these stats that the lower incomes are audited more by the right. IRS. And I, and I kind of explained, it was well, because of the earned income credit, but a big part of it was all of the, the fraud. fraud, you know, going on, you know, and, and that they had, you know, IRS has to put a stop to all that fraud. And if you, you can go back and listen to that show, but then remember this week, I'm going to do another one. Um, you know, that, that I saw, I saw the, the headline in a couple of different articles over the last couple of weeks. And it's like, really? What is really behind that? So sometimes you have to go behind the headlines and really, you know, make it, make a determination of, is this really going to affect me? Um, all right. So let me start though with, so what do I mean when, when I said that PPI, um, and CPI came in better all across the board? So let's start with, consumer price index. So the year, so the headline, now again, I've also said on this show for years that there's always this debate, Carrie, of whether you should be looking at headline or 
core, right? And of course, core CPI excludes food and energy. Right. And a lot of people, a lot of the pundits complain when you, you, you know, because the Federal Reserve likes to look at core and a lot of economists look at core. They say, well, that's not real because we do have to pay for food and energy. Right. But yet those same pundits now are complaining that when headline is coming in lower, the main reason is because oil gas came in so much lower. Mm-hmm. They're saying, well, we can't look at headline because the only reason why it came in better was because gas came down. It's like, well, weren't you complaining before that the, why you couldn't use cores because it doesn't include that? So you can't have it both ways is my point. Mm-hmm. You can't complain both ways. You have to you know, go with one of the two. I don't care which right. one you go with, but go with one of the two. Um, so let's get back to CPI. So headline CPI, year over year came in at 8.5%, better than the previous month, 9.1%. Okay, better than the month before that, eight point six percent. Okay, so that's the trend. All right, but that we—that's just one data point. Right. Okay. Well, let's look at the second data point headline month to month because this is what President Biden was always saying: is don't worry about the twelve month rolling. Let's look at the most recent data. Okay. The month to month data. So how did July do? July came in at zero inflation. Previous, it came, you know, the June number was 1.3% inflation. That is a huge drop. And remember, mm-hmm. I said, you know, we talked about that before too. You know, inflation can go down real quick. <laughs> so if the price of eggs, you're not paying any more this week than last week, that's zero inflation. Now, that doesn't mean that the, the prices, the new higher prices aren't going to be sticky for a while. We don't know if eggs will ever get back to under a dollar a dozen, right, Carrie? Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea is they're also not going up, you know, to four dollars a dozen. Although I did see that mark two weeks ago, I was like, <laughs> I'm skipping the eggs this week. Well, that was yeah, and, I, I, I don't, and they I, weren't even the free range organic. Who would pay four dollars for a dozen eggs? I don't. I guess if you literally, but I it was not even the organic free range. It was just the regular eggs. Wow, I'm buying chickens before that here. Um, all right, now, so that's the headline. But a lot of people say, "Oh, well, we can't look at headline because the only reason why it's down is because gas came down." All right, let's switch over to core. Okay, so on the core CPI, okay, year over year came in at five point nine. Same as the previous month, 5.9, which was better than the previous month of that, which was at 6. Okay, so again, trend down, or at least not going up. All right, how about the month over month? Okay, so the the experts were looking at a 0.5% increase. It came in at 0.3, beating expectations much lower than the previous month of Mm 0.7. So there we go. With CPI, both headline, year over year, month to month, core, year over year, month to month, all going the right direction. All right? That hasn't happened in a long time. Now, again, that doesn't mean that the Federal Reserve is going to stop raising interest rates, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Because the Federal Reserve, if you listen to them, Chairman Powell, he, I don't know how many times he can say it, we don't make, we don't make decisions based on one data point one month's right. data point or you know um we wait they really want to slam because we're celebrating an annualized inflation rate of eight and a half percent that's not a big celebration <laughs> well i guess in relation to what it could be but that is still sad that we're ce- we're saying we're yeah. celebrating 8%. that's very very far from the fed's target of two percent gary a little bit see this is what i keep trying to warn people the pain is not over yet Correct. It's going to be a lot more pain to get back down to 2% annualized Mm -hmm. if we ever get back to 2% annualized. But how about PPI? That's a producer price index. This is the measure of the prices received for final demand products or how the manufacturers, what they get for their products when they sell it. Okay. Um, So the year over year for July came in at 9.8%, much lower than the previous month year to year 11.3%. You know, back to single digits. That's a good sign. Okay. Um, the the um, the month over month. So experts were they were thinking it would be up 0.2 percent. It came negative 0.5 percent, a decrease. So that's a really you know uh, turnaround. 
But again, if you want to look at core, you know, in taking out food energy, all right. So how did the core PPI do year over year? Came in at 5.8, clearly better than the previous year over year of 6.4. Again, better than the previous one before that, 8.3. And those are significant, 8.3, 6.4 to 5.8. It's going the right direction, okay? Um, and how about the month over month, okay? So the month over month came in at an increase of 0.2%. Um, better than the previous 0.3%, which was better than the previous 0.5%. So that's is that a strong enough trend? Now again, so so there did could we say that inflation has peaked? Mm. Um, now, if most you, know, you saw a lot of headlines during the week saying, "Yeah, inflation has peaked." So what do you do? So this is what we've been talking to our clients about. We're saying if, if you are going to Revive or re- revive, <laughs> revive the economy. Re- re- is that where revise, you're at? <laughs> revive our president, maybe. Right. You know, revise your financial model because you're saying I I've got to restrike my expenses because of this inflation that's occurred. A, a lot of our clients were waiting till they saw the inflation peak out because that's kind of going to be like the new base, right? Because they're saying I'm not going to assume that. If inflation goes to zero, like the inflation increase, that doesn't mean that the prices all go back to what they were before the 8%. Right. right? So so what they're saying is, but if, if inflation has peaked, I don't think it's going up anymore. All right, now I'm going to restrike my expenses. Right. And that's my new base. And then I'll go from there. Okay, so this may be the time you want to start doing that. Um, and, or if you still think inflation, if you want to wait for another month's data to see if July was a fluke and, and, you know, or, and then wait for another month. Um, so that's, you know, and again, that's what we say. Really, if you want to do this right, you just don't go, I mean, you really want to calculate your own personal inflation rate. And and again, that's that process of saying if you've never if you haven't kept track of your expenses, that's going to be hard to do because you have to kind of recreate it. But if you get in that, if you if you've started a financial plan and let's say you put your expenses together a year ago or two years ago, you've got a base. Now you restrike your expenses right now. Right. Let's take because everybody says utilities are going up. Well, let's look at the average. Your grocery bill, how much you're spending on gasoline. All right and and now now that's the thing you you you're actually you're calculating your because what what which avenue did you take you know obviously we saw grocery prices go up Carrie right mm-hmm. but were you in the camp where you said okay my budget is what $100 a week let's just say just okay. at the grocery store okay um so that's what I'm used to spending but now if I bought the same things that I would normally get, it would cost me $125. Right. Some of you said, I'm not doing the $125. i am going to readjust and I'm going to think about differently what I'm going to buy. Yeah, and I'm going to stay at my 100 In other words, you controlled the inflation. Right. That's a discretionary element, right? Other ones said, no, I'm going to pay the, I, I'm not going to cut back on what I'm buying, Right. So I want to know, can I afford the 125? Right. If, you know, and, and that's so, so that's what I mean. Don't ask your neighbor, you know, how they're, they're affecting inflation or how inflation is affecting their budget. You kind of got to do this for yourself. And that's true of every expense. I know you use groceries, but that's true. You know, even with the true discretionary, even travel, some people say, nope, I want to travel within this. Other people say, nope. If that means I have to go less amount of time or rethink what hotel I'm, I'm going to stay within the confines or reduce it and make those changes. Right. So that, that um, and then, but how is the consumer in America feeling, Carrie? So we got some data from that school up north, right? And mm-hmm. they do the consumer index, um, you, you know, how the people sentiment. feel. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I'm not big on how people feel. Right. Cause well, how, that, how you feel determines what action you take typically I guess. or inaction. That's why they do it, Carrie. Right. That, that's it why doesn't they matter do if it. it's based on reality. It's how, I mean, feelings, either people paralyze and don't do anything because they're worried and they just don't know what to do or people make changes on how they feel. 
Uh, and 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 I, and I have to admit, sometimes we do uh, uh, go to our clients and 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 they and we say, well, what do you want to use for inflation? Right. And it, it, it because whatever it's their plan, not my plan. Certainly, we can give you our idea, and some people will defer to us. But if you're really worried, let's use a higher number. Um, now, so what did they say? So. The Consumer Index preliminary August reading came in at 55.1, topping expectations of 52.5. Okay. Um, One-year inflation expectations ticked down to 5% from 5.2%. So the people are saying well, maybe inflation has peaked. And then through though the five-year inflation expectations uh, rose slightly to 3% from 2.9. So that's kind of funny. They lower the short term, but they raise the long. That's why I that's, don't. That's why it doesn't make. Which any, doesn't make sense. Which is the why the soft data like this. I, I don't. I don't spend a lot of time on. But whatever. Um, it is saying that maybe the consumers aren't jumping off bridges right now, and and thinking that maybe we you know we we got to peak inflation, um, and we'll see if the data holds up. Now, there will be one more month's data before the Federal Reserve meets for the next FOMC meeting. I don't mm-hmm. think on this data alone they would pivot on their interest rate hikes. Um, remember, to them, I think they're saying how we can get back to 2% target because we're still at 8 Right. And even if they look at core, they're going to look at core. They're not going to, you know, so what did I say the core was, Carrie? The core, was that the 5.8? 5.9, yeah. 5.9 that's still pretty far away from 2. So they so the Fed I think still thinks they've got a lot of work to do. It's going to be painful. Mm-hmm. Um I think this the stock market rally this week, I don't know. We don't we don't manage we don't pick stocks for our clients. And it's hard, I mean, and it's hard to time the market. Um but the uh but again, you know, you, you what you were kind of saying too is we do talk about oh, don't take on a lot more risk than what you need to be okay, and two, you know, maintain a, an adequate cash reserve um, because again, that's always your first defense if economic, you know, downturns get worse. Right now, again, the big what's the big shoe to drop out there is the U.S. recession. So we're or perhaps we're technically in a U.S. recession. But I really don't think the pain factor is there, what we can usually consider with the recession. Um, that may still be yet to come. So if you are planning any major financial big changes in the next year or two, that could be a planned retirement date. Mm-hmm. That could be a new home purchase, um, perhaps a, a new automobile purchase. Could be a big home maintenance, not, not necessarily project. remodel, but maybe there's some big ticket maintenance that you've put off and now you don't have a choice. A bucket list trip that you've been planning since before the shutdown, pandemic shutdown. You know, all those things, you know, again, that's where, you you know, if you say, hey, I don't want to have to sell my investments low if we have a market downturn, that's where the cash reserve can come in. In other words, have you, have you got enough cash reserve that you can maintain that lifestyle that you 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 had planned without having to sell your your stocks low to get it right because the, what tend what tend we see to happen over the years is that clients will just cancel that you know in right. other words they're saying I'm not going to sell my stocks low or they don't know if they can still afford to do that special thing if the market downturn they you know they haven't ever modeled it in to say what's the long term fact of the current market downturn right. that's what you get when you have a custom financial plan that you know based on your goals your objectives using conservative and realistic numbers and everybody's different some people who think they're going to be okay actually in some cases they're going to run out of money before life expectancy and other people that are really worried they may not be running out of money instead of, I'm going to throw a number out because I've seen different ones, 800000 at their joint life expectancy, they have six hundred, and they're still going to be okay. So, but it's, um, 
looking at how those short-term decisions affect that. That's timing of Social Security, pension elections, and other spending, and different inflation rates, and taxes, and using opportunities to create that future tax-efficient income, especially if you are worried about government spending and future taxes and how all this impacts your financial life today. And the estate planning team offers a free, no-obligation consultation by phone or in person. We have both affordable hourly rates and comprehensive affordable uh, comprehensive retainers if you need a little bit of help and just want specific analysis or if you want someone through helping with all the steps of analysis recommendations and step-by-step through implementation you can also sign up for our free educational ira and roth planning classes in september in middleburg heights on september 14th at 6 p.m and september 20th at three o'clock call 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. Or visit our website at financialfoodforthought.com. All right, listen to Mark Dolly and Kara Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. The estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 35 years. And over those 35 years, Carrie, um, well, I haven't been giving out the Cassandra Award for 35 years, but I've been did, doing yeah. it. Did I do it last week? You did not do it last oh, week. Okay. You've done me, it all, all about last week. So here's my, so who gets the, so the Cassandra Award, if you've been listening to the show this summer, I've been highlighting the Cassandra of the Week Award. And of course, Cassandra was the human, the beautiful human princess that Apollo, Zeus's son, fell in love with. And in order to win her favor, he gave her the gift of prophecy. Um, and then when Cassandra didn't return the favors that Apollo was expecting, he then cursed her by not taking away the gift of prophecy, but adding a little twist to it, saying, you know, meaning that no one would ever believe her anyways. Okay. So she had to live the rest of her life. No one believed her. Um, now, so it goes to Grover Norquist. You know, you know Grover Norquist. No. Oh, you don't know Grover Norquist? <laughs> no. Americans for Tax Reform. He's the one who's always talking about throw, you know, yank out the Internal Revenue Code and start over again. Oh, good luck with um, that. You know, but um, so, you know. That so, seems like a lost cause. Good luck with it. Yeah. So just this is just some of the comments he was saying, you know, the, you know speaking on the, um, I'm still going to call it the Build Back Better. Because if I call it the IRA bill, it's just going to confuse right. people. Um, to me, it's still the Build Back Better bill. All right. Um, they want to take $80 billion from taxpayers, $80 billion, and hire 87,000 more bureaucrats at the IRS. Mm-hmm. They are going after the small businesses, the contractors. Um, you know, the, the, they're going to, you know, they're saying the IRS says they're going to dramatically increase how they go after independent contractors and small businesses, not General Motors, smaller businesses. That's where they think they're going to make their money. He went on to say, this is Grover Norquist. He's not happy with the Build Back Better rule, uh, right? Um, Okay, they want to end privacy for Americans. The tax collectors are going to want to demand to know anything and everything about you. They are demanding you keep records on everything, and, and you're in trouble if you don't keep every piece of paper back forever. Really? I don't know about that, but I did see a headline, Mark, about that there's going to be more IRS agents if they can get higher than the Israeli army. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know where they're going to find 87,000, but... Um, but obviously, if they're hiring that many people, they're going to go after... They're, I mean... Well, hopefully, half those people are going, to, are going to be manning the phones. Yeah, good luck with that. Um, I, I mean, there are a lot of tax, there are a lot of tax returns being filed. And there's nobody answering the phones there. Right. Yeah, that's my point. You just get in this endless loop. Um, You know, so if they put 40,000 answering the phones, I'll be happy. Right. Right, Uh, but good luck hiring people. um, All right. And also, you know, this whole idea about whether... You know, the, and the IRS, Chuck Reddick, and, and also other people say, no, they're not going to increase... Remember the, the, the whole thing about President Biden's pledge that no one under 400,000. Right. So, so the GOPs said, well, does that mean that we want, we, that no one under making under 400,000 will ever be audited? 
It's like, no. No, but that's what they wanted. So did you hear about this? So the uh, crapo. The, the senator from Idaho. <laughs> Isn't that a great name for a senator? Yeah, I was going to say they're all full of crapo. Mike Crapo. I, I think that's how you pronounce it, right? C-R-A-P-O? I guess, yeah. All right. So he actually, when they were doing the marathon vote in the Senate, he put forward an amendment that he wanted to put into law that no one making under 400000 a year would get audited. It's like... That's come, not realistic. Come, oh, real, I mean, that's it's like, saying like, okay, well, go ahead and file a I mean, crap that's like, tax return. Right. Well, that's like the, the, the GOP defunding the IRS, right? Right. It's going to go over about as well as the Democrats defunding the police. Right. If you if if you if you put in a law that no one making under four hundred thousand would ever get audited, what do you think the compliance? <laughs> Nobody is under four hundred thousand is going to be paying much in taxes. I mean, what a ridiculous you know. But whatever. Um, so, all right. So, so how oh, here? Where are that? Where are my headlines? Are you talking about this um, Build Back Better? Yeah. Okay. So I was going to say, did you see where John Kennedy, which I love him, oh, he's the great. senator, he was saying, well, now he did say though he was talking about he's you know not a fan of this. New bill or yeah, the, well, this massive thing. I don't know thing. too many uh, Republicans are. But, no, but. but he said according to the nonpartisan Joint Tax Committee, which doesn't take sides, it's not Republican or Democrat. The burden of this bill his will fall on everyone and everyone on their taxes, not just anyone making four hundred thousand. Right, and that is their concern. And that's what I'm going to talk about the, in the Joint Committee on Taxation. What in a lot of okay, but here's just some of the shock lines. White House economic advisor won't say if eighty-seven thousand new IRS agents will audit those making under four hundred thousand. Well, of course they're going to audit that? you. Make <laughs> okay. Um, Wall Street Journal editorial boards. Now that's the other thing too. You you got to read if you're reading editorials versus news stories. Right. right. So be careful when you're reading that shock lines. Okay. Wall Street Journal editorial board slam Schumer Mansion bill for unleashing beast mode IRS right. to target the middle class. Um, here's another one. Americans fear IRS will use Inflation Reduction Act funding to audit average and lower income taxpayers. Here's another one. House Democrats beefed up IRS could hurt low income Americans. Um, here's another one. The Senate bill and Biden's pledge to not raise taxes on people making less than 400000 you know, is not really. OK, so 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 this was but this was the stat that I saw in a couple of the articles. And it always went something like this. So this is. Uh, an article out of Fox, obviously. Um, in 2023, the year in which the legislation would increase tax revenue most, individuals making less than 10000 per year would pay 3.1% more in taxes. And those making between 20000 and 30000 per year would see a 1.1% tax increase. And they quote the Joint Committee on Taxation. Right. Now, I had... And I saw that 3.1%. Here's, here's another one. There's another completely different uh, article. Um, the, the Joint Committee of Taxation, which is made up of bipartisan lawmakers from both the House and the Senate, uh, the group found that Americans making less than 10000 per year would see a 3% tax hike starting. That same 3% figure. And I'm thinking... And every every pundit on the radio screamed about this. Right. And, you know, and it's like, well... Wait a second. How many people making under ten thousand are paying any taxes? They're not. Correct. So what's a three point one percent increase on nothing? Zero. I mean, so I, I, I'm saying, where did this stat come from? This three point one percent. Okay, and it comes from. It does come from a joint. Uh, 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 you know the the. Uh, Committee on Taxes, it, they put out a table, the Joint Committee of Taxation. You can find this on the Internet, okay? Um, and it's they call it the JCT Distribution Table of Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, something along those lines. Just Google it, All right? And so here it is. Here's the table, Carrie. I have it in front of me. And sure enough, it says change in federal taxes. And for the first group listed, less than $10,000, the percent is 3.1%. And then it goes on. So, you know, the, the, the $50,000 to $75,000 range, it's 0.8%. Um, the hundred dollars to $200,000 range, it's 1.1%. 
but yet not but that seemed like the highest one was that under 10,000, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, well, what is that all about? But then I read the footnote. Okay. And I had to get the magnifying glass out, right? Right. To read the footnote. And I'm thinking because how do they say somebody making under $10,000 is going to have a 3.1% increases? By the way, how much would that be a year? So 10,000 that'd be about $310 a year. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Now, um, so this is table is a distributional analysis of the proposals in the revenue table, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Um, the income concept used to place tax returns into income categories is adjusted gross income plus, plus the income concept. Okay, um, okay, yeah. So again, they say start by saying the income concept is AGI. Okay, that's what we're thinking. Right. AGI. So if you have ten thousand AGI, you know you're, you're paying you're zero no tax, taxes. Right? But what do they add to the plus? Tax exempt interest. Well, I don't know how many people making under ten thousand have a lot of tax exempt interest. I would guess not many. Okay. Um, employer contributions for health plans and life insurance. I'm not sure how that really affects. No. Okay. Employer share of FICA tax. The employer share, not the employee share. Well, then that doesn't matter. Workers' compensation. Non-taxable Social Security benefits. Non-taxable Social Security benefits. Somehow they're getting that into the equation. Okay. How does that work? I don't know. How do you, you know, um, alternative minimum tax preference items. Say what? I mean, alternative minimum tax, that's gone. I mean, right. since the since Trump's tax act, um, you know, the number of filers who are even paying AMT, it, it's it's like it's down to like 142,000. You know, one time it was like 5 million, Carrie, right? I mean, Trump's tax act, now maybe they're assuming because it's a 10-year plan, this bill, because the AMT is going to come back when Trump's tax right. rates expire. So maybe there, but I mean, okay, I'm not done yet, Carrie. Still, there's plenty more. Okay. Um, individual share of business taxes. Individual share of business taxes? Okay. Um, excluded income of U.S. citizens living abroad. I, I, I don't know how all this is. So really, does this going to affect you at all? Unless maybe you hit maybe if the if the person under ten thousand, I mean, so it's it's a big stretch, Gary. Right. You know, there, there's, but it could though from that joint tax and I'm stuff. It may affect us all. They're saying if they raise oil and gas, I mean, all of this is could trickle down, but it's not necessarily a direct impact. Right. But I mean, if you're already retired, half those things aren't going to affect you at all. In other words, some of the things that they list there that goes in there, and again, if so, so, but is it going to really ruin? Is it going to derail your retirement plan? So, in their example, if you're making seventy-five to a hundred thousand a year, they're saying it's going to be a point nine percent increase. So, you know, that's a range at seventy-five thousand. That would be six hundred seventy-five dollars a year. Would that is that going to derail your retirement plan? Um, I don't know. Um, if at a hundred thousand, nine point point nine percent would be what nine hundred dollars. Okay. Um, if you're if you're making the hundred thousand to two hundred thousand, okay, at a hundred thousand, you're gonna have a you would have an additional one thousand one hundred. Um, or you know, at two hundred thousand, you'd have additional two thousand two hundred. So again. Is that going to derail your retirement? Plan? No, but that's an increase, right? But so so, but it, that it's, you may have to plan for and adjust. Yeah, but I don't know if it's you know that's what I'm saying is the shock lines that they're trying to scare you and saying oh everyone's going to be audited. Now here's the thing: don't ask your neighbor what their audit exposure is. If you're really concerned about this, that you are going to have a big audit target on your back. Why don't you ask your CPA? Might be a good question. And how do, because there's flags, I'm sure most of it's automated that you can say, what can I do to make sure at least the odds are stacked in my favor that I'm not going to get an audit. I know if you do the online software, now I have a CPA, 
but it yeah, used the to get, you used to have like and do an audit check. Yeah, and the, that the, was right, ten the, years ago when I was doing it myself. Yeah. Are you running that? If you're, if you're, yeah, if you're buying one of the robots, you're doing your own tax return. Are you running the audit risk uh, analysis? At that time, it was free. I don't know. I don't use that well, now. Well, but I'm saying it, I'm sure they've there. got be, it used to get better. But it would say the you know if you're in the red zone, right? Maybe you got to right. And I've always okay. I'm good. You're in the green zone, and right? And then okay? you can even but yeah. Yeah. I don't want any IRS trouble. I don't even want the hassle of dealing with the IRS. Um, Yeah. So, so again, all right. So, all we're saying is that, you know, don't get too caught up in the shock line risk that are written specifically to alter, you know, to to get your vote. Or to just get your attention because it's headlines and get you to read their article. Right. Right. I don't think they even want you to read the article. I think they just want you reading the headlines. Um, because when you read the article, you're going to calm down. Well, that's the point of a headline is to get you out. I I know, but I'm just saying, but that's what I hear. All I hear on the radio is the pundits extrapolate, you know, just going off on the headline. Right. I mean, I'd like to know how many of those people really looked into the joint committee of taxation table to figure out where that 3.1% really came from. And how does that really affect you? Right. Right. Um, or, you know, if you're worried about being audited, start by asking your CPA, Mr. CPA, do you think I have a big target on my back for being audited? Or if you have that software, make sure you do that check. Right. Um, all right. So we have. Um, all right. So let's switch gears. RMDs. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Carrie, I don't know. I could go. I could speak for hours on this. Right. So fill well, that's in. That's why a, you come to the class. Fill in anything <laughs> that you want. I, I mean, but I mean, let's just start. You know, what is the rule? All right. So the rule changed with the Secure Act of 2019, um, and it was at previous. It was year 70 and a half, and they extended it to age 72. So now the rule is for your required minimum distributions as long as you didn't turn, you know, 70 and a half before the law changed, right? Um, you have until April 1st of the year following the calendar year, you attain age 72. Now, remember, that's April 1st, not April 15th. That's a bad April Fool's joke by the government, right? Mm-hmm. Because over the decades, we've had to break the bad news to people that, no, it's not April 15th, it's April 1st that you have to get that done. Right. The second thing you need to know is if you wait till April 1st of the year following the calendar year, you attain age 72, you will have to do a second required minimum distribution by December 31st of that year. So in effect, you'll be doing two required minimum distributions in one calendar year, and that could be expensive. Right. So for that reason, a lot of clients and a lot of taxpayers over the years have chosen not to wait till April 1st of the year following the calendar year they attain age 72. They're going to take their first required minimum distribution in the calendar year they attain age 72. And then if you do it that year, then the second year you just have one RMD, right? Correct. Also worth noting is you don't have to attain age 72 before you can do it. It's based on the calendar year you attain age 72. So, for example, RMDs are calculated based on the end of the year balance. So your 2023 RMD will be based on your 1231-22 IRA balance. Okay. Okay. Um, so if you're, let's say you turn age 72 in July of 2023. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to wait till July to take your required minimum. Because it's already set, because it's based on the January 1st balance, right? So you could take your RMD in January, even though you don't reach age 72 until July. So that sometimes we get that question. That's different, by the way. The why we get the question is when you can do qualified charitable distributions, right? Right. Because that also is at age 70 and a half. That did not, the rule for QCDs did not change to 72. 
which makes it more confusing, but also gives people an opportunity. Right. And and the reason being is because the QCD was not written in the law that controlled RMDs. It was a completely different law, right? Um, but, but they in, wouldn't think to update them both. Right, of course. But in that instance, you do have to attain age 70 and a half. So you can't do the QCD until you have attained that age. So that's that sometimes has um, surprised people to find that out. Um, all right. So now... So the question is, well, why would, you know, why would anyone wait and do two RMDs in one year? Well, it depends. On their, what's t- what things are hitting their tax return. Right. Certainly if people are still working and high wage earners. Right. If you were, let's say in the first year, one of you or both of you are working. Okay. And in the second year, neither one of you are working. Mm-hmm. So there may be a lot more room in the second year to do the two RMDs than doing one in the first year when you have wages. Right. And it's more tax favorable to wait. Or we've had a few clients over the years that retired, but they maybe had an installment sale from their business and they were getting big payments from their business and they wanted to wait until those went away. Right. And then, of course, you know, the, the, and the RMDs have to be done by December 31st. So the other thing we typically at this time of year care, we start reminding people that, you know, every year there are more and more of the baby boomers are attaining age 72 and are have to do their required minimums. And so it's getting, you know, the custodians are getting bottlenecked mm-hmm. at the end of the year, you know, because people are waiting to the last minute. Right. Because we're procrastinators. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, but don't wait too long. All right. So if you wait too long, you run the risk that the custodian won't even get it done by December 31st. All right. Even if you request it that they get it done by December 31st. Now, at one time, Kara, we never have to worry about that. Right. I mean, 20, 30 years ago, people would pick this up after Christmas. And say, oh, I just got to get it done by New Year's Eve. That ain't recommended anymore. And especially, I've heard this year they're backing some custodians are backing it up even more. Right. So if you're concerned about that, a simple thing you can do is you ask the IRA custodian, okay, and say, by the way, you know, are are you giving a, what I like to call a drop dead date? You know, they're going to use mm-hmm. something more. <laughs> Right. Than that, but in other words, are you are you know is the custodian publishing a date saying, "Hey, Mister Client, if you want us to guarantee that we get your IRA distribution request, this could also be Roth conversion requests, you know, anything at year end, you have to get us good paperwork by December fifteenth right. or December tenth." Or some cases it's been December 1st. December 1st. So, you know, and, and that gives you an idea of how much time you have. Then also everyone, you know, asks us, well, what about withholding, Mark, on the RMDs? Well, that's a good question because, you know, if now if it's a company retirement plan, like a 401k, there could be a 20% mandatory federal withholding. But if it's an IRA, you, you could elect. You could elect to have federal withholding or not. All right. And what about Ohio? Well, Ohio doesn't require the custodians to support Ohio withholding. Some do as a customer support. So you need to find that out. And then you decide, okay, how much withholding do I need? And, and, and how much withholding you elect this year? Remember, it might not be the same what you elect next year or the following year. So we'll talk more about this next week. Tune in next week for more financial food for thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening.